Hey, this is Charlie. Welcome to Above the Cloud. We're the podcast brought to you by the Local Search Association, all about everything local, digital, SaaS, and small business. Today, our guest is Brett House, who's Senior Vice President for Growth at SignUp. SignUp, in its own words, is an intent marketing platform. Basically, they manage content for brands to optimize their ability to be found locally. What we talk about on the podcast is the state of retail report that SignUp just issued, where they did surveys with B2B execs at retail companies, as well as consumers, as well as analyzing uh, publicly available data on 559 retail business locations across five global retail brands. Basically, to understand how retailers are doing marketing now and whether it's in alignment with how they should be doing it based on how consumer behavior has changed. So we'll get into that in some detail. Brett is actually a speaker at our upcoming Place Conference, which is happening very soon, October 15th and 16th in Austin, Texas. Hope you will be there. Go to locology.com slash place for detail. Now let's get into the podcast. Brett, welcome. How are you doing? Thank you. How are you? Glad to be a part of this. Great, great. Well, we're glad to have you. So sign up. Why don't we start there? Just give us the the nickel, maybe the penny tour of what sign up is. And then what we're really here to talk about today is the retail report that you guys just issued. And uh, but, you know, for those of you who don't know sign up, let's do that first. Yeah, good question. So sign up. Uh, we are an intent marketing platform. Mm-hmm. It helps brands with multiple locations in the U.S. or globally more effectively be found across media channels uh, and devices where people are searching for businesses. Trusted, which is the reputation management component in terms of customer reviews and ratings, and being able to effectively respond from a central place to that and be chosen. So we have a big content marketing arm uh, of our product that really helps to drive consumers at the point of search or discovery of a local business, for example, down that path to purchase with more effective content, with more brand safe content and more engaging information that the brand's communicating across these channels. Okay. If people want to know more, they can Google you. <laughs> so let's, uh, you just issued the state of retail 2019 report and uh, was there a 2018, 17, 16 or? Was- there was not. This is the, the initial copy, the first version of okay. what's going to be an annual paper. What's the data set that went into the, the findings that you came to? We actually did a survey of 837 consumers. Uh, it, was a, it was a paid survey. We went out to 837 consumers to get a pretty statistically significant sample. Mm-hmm. Uh, 288 business executives. So there was a B2C, a consumer facing, as well as a business facing component to this to see how we could compare and contrast uh, the differences in opinions around certain things, right. around business discovery and selection. Uh, and finally, we had our team of data scientists, or at least I built a team of data scientists within SignUp, uh, to go and analyze five global retail brands, I'll leave names out, uh, across 559 locations. So they basically took a geo-distributed geo map of these five major retailers and looked at multiple locations of each, 559, 560 in total, uh, to really understand their media presence, where there were gaps, where there were challenges across all of the major search, social, voice, 
so uh, uh, in other channels, local directories, et cetera, where people are actually finding information about this. So, so this is publicly viewable data, not data from your platform. Yes, that is publicly viewable data. Okay. Yeah, we did, we did bring in some platform information as well, but yeah, that's public. Okay. Now, do you want to just quickly uh, give us a just a nugget of walking away with one or two overarching findings, and then I'll have some detailed questions after that. Sure, sure. So I think an overarching finding and something that, that I found interesting was the growth and changes in consumer behavior across uh, uh, digital media. You know, we all know that that with the the proliferation of digital devices like smartphones, computers, tablets, the obvious, that consumer behavior is changing. The way that we find businesses, the way that we learn about information uh, in our world, not just businesses alone, uh, has changed because of the the proximity and and speed and instant gratification that you get with the digital device in your hand. What mm -hmm. we thought was really interesting is not only the growth of the standard sort of digital channels that we all know about, like the smartphones, the tablets, the computers, which we've all heard about for the last, you know, five to 10 years. It's really the growth of other smart devices, like Internet of Things devices, smart speakers, digital assistants, smart TVs, smart watches that are really, to me, showing increasing device saturation and increasingly fragmented consumer behavior in terms of how people like you and I find and learn about and engage with businesses that we want to choose, that we want to go to. And so that probably was the big takeaway is that you have device saturation, which changes the media behavior of mm -hmm. consumers and how they discover and find information and how, in a lot of cases, retailers, multi-location retailers are relatively ill-prepared uh, to manage this and, and are in need uh, of, of really revisiting their digital strategy to be something that is a little bit further down funnel, but realize where people are finding information and how they can get their information in front of them most effectively. A couple, a couple of things. I uh, was looking at some of the findings. One that jumped out at me, and maybe there's no aha here, but the fact that people say they're still shopping in stores. I mean, we know this, but but it seemed to be, you know, the, this, we're seeing stores closing, retail apocalypse is a big conversation, but there's no current evidence of that in your report, at least. Uh, the consumers still seem to actually be shy, despite all this changing behavior, they're still walking into stores and buying things. Is fair? Yeah, and I, and I think all of us has experienced uh, Amazon and the effect of, of sites like that. Mm -hmm. on our own personal lives and our own personal behavior. I probably got two or three working at home today. I probably got two or three packages delivered just today right. within the last couple of hours. But I think, and I will use both our, our report, but also from our own experience uh, is that, is that the, the retail apocalypse is largely exaggerated uh, mm -hmm. while consumer behavior certainly shifting in, in, in favor of e-commerce retail uh, continues brick and mortar retail, the actual tangible, I'm going into a store, I'm touching and feeling things is still alive and kicking. And it's important for retailers in this environment where they're competing with e-commerce behemoths, uh, like I just mentioned, have to be able to respond to this change in consumer behavior so that they can effectively meet the needs of people at that point of discovery. So when you do a quick search, whether it's through your Alexa device or on your smartphone, you need instant gratification. You need uh, the right information and content. With retailers, what we found is that product inventory, in fact, a real-time feed 
of product inventory that's available currently in your store is absolutely critical among a lot of other types of content that the business needs to show at that point of, of discovery, let's say in a mobile phone, it mm -hmm. needs to be shown instantly um, lest you, you lose an opportunity and you lose. So that is, uh, that is achieved table stakes status at this point. Yeah. Well, well, and I think, I think where the industry started from a local marketing perspective is let, let's first get your, what we like to call presence, your basic NAP, name, address, and phone right. correct, right? That was largely, and the report highlights some of our media analysis, looks at 50% of retailers are missing information across the top 50 media channels, meaning they're not being found when people are searching for them across the major media channels, mm -hmm. social media channels, the Googles, the Facebooks, et cetera. Uh, and when they are being found across channels as, as ubiquitous as Google, they're largely presenting inaccurate information. So there's a lot of duplication of, of data. There's a lot of incorrect information when a business changes address or closes, et cetera. And that, that to me is table stakes. That's what mm -hmm. I define as table stakes. The next phase, I think, in the evolution in our report shows is that really it's not just about being found because retailers are in large part beginning to get control over that, especially you know, multi-location retailers. Right. Now it's about, well, what do you do next? What am I showing people once they find me, whatever the device is, however the data is being presented, if it's audio through a voice search mm -hmm. uh, you know, application or, or assistant, or it's through text, how am I showing them information back to that point uh, about live real-time product inventory that's available when you conduct a search? Just think of an anecdote from your own life. It's, you're looking for, this happened to our CEO, in fact. He was looking for, he just moved to New York City. He was doing a search for, he was having a guest in his new apartment with, that had very little furnishing, and he was doing a search for mattresses, you know, inflatable mattresses that he could use for a guest. And he did a search, couldn't find anything, ended up being directed through Google My Business to a target that took him, a, I think it was a few stops away from where he lives in Manhattan. And he arrives at the, tar at the target, and it was closed for renovation. So this wow. information wasn't being shown to him. Uh, at the right time, at that point uh, when he really needed it. And he later learned as he got back home was that the business right next to him, I think it was a Rite Aid, actually had this information and had a bunch of options for exactly what he was looking for. But it didn't come up when he actually did that initial search. And so perfect example of that, that Rite Aid that was right next to his current location in his apartment could have been better optimized. They could have better optimized their content, their ability to be found, to show him that real-time product inventory yeah. at the point of discovery. Well, let's not let Target off the hook in this example. <laughs> it's interesting to me that, that that location data is still so messed up. Yeah, and again, we, we called it, we said table stakes, yes. Uh -huh. um, that should be table stakes. They're still struggling with the management and maintenance of this information. And again, it's a, it's a, it goes back to the problem that we talked about earlier about media complexity about, or media fragmentation. Right when you're when you're updating your digital profile, which is what we like to call it, versus a, a, a listing per se, across multiple media channels, right across multiple types of media interactions, it becomes complex and it's very difficult for the brand internally to be able to eat, both have the expertise, the resources, and to manage all of these different platforms independently. You mentioned. Um... There's a fundamental change in how brands have to, I will focus on retail, obviously, have to do digital marketing now. Talk a little bit about what you mean by that. And also related to that, 
How is the role of brand marketing changing? Yeah, so so the fundamental change, and then we can talk about the larger brand awareness question uh, or brand building question. So, you know, I, I mentioned that there's a seismic shift in where people are finding businesses. And we've seen, uh, we actually have a, within the report, we have a, a schema that we did, a graph that we did based mm-hmm. on third-party research and some of our own estimations of the sort of media ecosystem as we've seen amongst our own clients, we've seen about 165,000 businesses uh, flow mm-hmm. through, come through our, our platform. And we looked at basically media share of voice from 1950 all the way through 2050. And, and what we're trying to show here, and I think this is backed by our own research, but also a lot of other third-party sources, is that people aren't discovering businesses at the, at the you know, people aren't finding and learning about businesses, retailers, through the radio, through direct mail, uh, through the yellow pages, at nearly the level that they were 50 years ago, 25 years ago, right? That's changed radically. It's never going to go away. It still plays a role. We still get direct mail in our, our I just moved into a new house and I'm getting uh, a ton of circulars and catalogs that were from the previous owner. And I find myself occasionally looking into those. So I still think mm-hmm. it has an impact from a brand awareness building. Uh, from a marketing effectiveness perspective, it's starting to lose some of its, its potency, right? Mm-hmm. We saw in the late 90s and you know, you and I are old enough, I think, to have seen the advent of- I, I the certainly internet. am. <laughs> <laughs> the, the AOL discs that came yeah. in the mail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember those. Exactly. Yeah. Every small business, every multi-location business had to have a website. Mm-hmm. You had to have a website that, that was limited, largely static in terms of the amount of, of content information it could show a customer. Uh, and so it, it, it had a sort of a limited shelf life. You'd go once and and there wasn't much there the next time you went there. It wasn't mm-hmm. updated. It didn't show anything that was personalized to your own experience at, at wherever you were in your, your, your journey, right? We saw that sort of explode. It's still obviously a very relevant uh, uh, media channel, owned media channel. Mm-hmm. But what we're seeing is that that's going to start decline. It's starting to decline. And we're starting to see it come basically cross with digital profiles, which are really a brand's identity across all of their locations I, on someone else's property like gmb or facebook yeah, and, it's, yeah. and it's on a third-party platform yeah. it's just right. like we have our own personal social media identities mm-hmm. on linkedin on instagram on facebook uh and brands are are while they've done social media marketing they've always considered that a channel in their omni-channel planning strategy digital profiles have have largely been either overseen uh, it, to, to a certain degree ignored and it's becoming the go-to spot. I mean, our own data suggests from our own 165,000 customers that have gone through our platform has shown that we see 5X the number of visits, of unique visits mm-hmm. to digital profiles versus a website, for example. So we're seeing a decline in website visits and people want information, again, at their fingertips. They want it either audio or visual on a smart device of some type, and there's multiple smart devices to choose from, and you've got to be able to deliver that information in a structured, compelling way that mm-hmm. meets their needs, meets their specific search. Uh, if they're searching for something here and now uh, at a high degree of specificity, which is we've seen search has evolved in that direction. People don't you know, com- commit very simple searches anymore. It's much more detailed. Right. I'm looking for a pet-friendly restaurant that serves vegan food in the West Village of Manhattan. Are you going to be able to show me that information that matches that 
uh, at that point when I'm doing that search on my Google. Please let me know and I'll know to avoid the place. But uh... <laughs> so, so that, that's the point. It's like you've got, it's instant gratification and you've got to be able to be there at that right time with the right information. A piece of data I came across recently was that um, branded versus unbranded search, like unbranded search is, is increasingly the norm where people don't type in a brand name when they search for yep. uh, how how do you how do you interpret that in terms of what brands should do about that that fact that increasingly you don't say star you don't type in Starbucks you just type in coffee yes the, yeah the, the topic of branded versus unbranded searches and that's largely what we've seen both through our own platform as well as the surveys and analysis that we've done in the industry is that people's searches not only have become significantly more unbranded, but they're a little bit more detailed in nature. And in order for uh, a brand, you know, whether it's a digital marketer or their agency, to be able to manage that and understand that, uh, it, takes a, it takes a deep look into how people are searching for a business. And if you're an aspirational brand that doesn't have the brand recognition of a Starbucks or a McDonald's, you know, somebody like a, a Shake Shack, for example, Mm -hmm. that is growing in size or a blaze pizza maybe nobody not everybody's heard of blaze pizza but you've got to discover them at some point so mm -hmm. to the point of digital profiles a lot of people think of this as an intent marketing medium right of something that is relatively down funnel somebody knows what they're looking for they're conducting a search they're given a result that's engaging and showing them the information that they need to see to make a choice and then they're you know, either making a phone call, they're going, they're driving to, to, the, to the, the point of sale, et cetera. That behavior is, it, 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 while it is relatively down funnel, it's also very important for brand awareness building. Mm -hmm. uh, if you, and back to the point, if you're a, a Blaze Pizza or a relatively unknown brand that's trying to compete with the 400 pound whales, you need to be found the way people are searching for you. Uh, and that may be the only way they're going to discover who you are. They may not be watching a lot of television. A lot of the younger generations don't watch as much linear television, right? They do a lot of very targeted video consumption, you right. know, across YouTube and other channels. So they may not be exposed to you if you're not advertising in those particular areas. And so you need to be, when someone does an unbranded search, you need to appear. It's a medium of brand discovery, even though it's an unbranded search. Yeah, and so, and so a lot of times when I show, we have a... a you know, just a visual of the, the consumer path to purchase, you know, the funnel from yeah. awareness all the way down to purchase, advocacy, and loyalty. And when I say, hey, listen, when people conduct a search, when they conduct an active discovery across some smart device, right, that awareness piece at the top of the funnel isn't attached to any particular media channel. It mm -hmm. could be part of the search media channel very easily, as much as it could be part of radio and television and those other channels that we think of as mm -hmm. brand awareness drivers. But I think to your point about brand awareness earlier, I think it's critical for, for companies, the aspirational brands to continue to, to, to be present across these channels because that's how you, know, you are going to build brand awareness without having massive television budgets. Mm -hmm. But it's very important fundamentally to build the top of the funnel because again, it's the size of your pie uh, that is going to show further down the funnel in terms of the number of purchases. If you start right. with a small pie to begin with, you're going to convert fewer customers at the end of the right. day and it's going to affect every step of the way down that path to purchase. Now, shift a little bit. 
there's one section about sort of, you know, very local social presence and local, you know, basically local social and the importance of things like images and user generated content on uh, my favorite topic. Yeah. This is always, this is one that's interesting to me because it's sort of like when I look, you can sort of look at this and say, in some ways, a local, truly local business that is authentic and, and super engaged and very passionate has a little bit of an advantage in the sort of local social piece because, you know, they're putting up a lot of authentic content. And also they're probably encouraging more of their uh, customers to to engage with, with their local social presence and post pictures. And I mean, I, th- th- fairly or unfairly, that's my perception. Is that true in your view? And, um, and then how do brands or multi bigger companies that have trouble with this very local stuff. How do they deal with that? Yeah, and, and I think you're, put, you're making a good point around brands need to think and act local because that mm-hmm. is where they're most likely to engage consumers at a really intimate level, Right. which, which points to, to content and how people share information about a particular mm-hmm. brand. Whether it's, a, whether it's a big brand with thousands of locations or it's a, it's a company that's got a couple or a handful of local sure. locations their ability to have their pulse sort of on the local climate, on consumer sentiment and engagement, you know, within their market is second to none. Mm-hmm. And, and that's critical for, for any business, whether you're a, a strictly local business or you're a multinational brand that has local presence, you still have to pay close attention to that. And what I think this points to in terms of, of the ability of brands, multi-location brands to manage content is one, that's how people are engaging with them, right? They're engaging. It's the Instagram generation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's largely visual. Yep. Uh, It could be audio if it's through voice, but it, it, we, we actually did an analysis of one of our own clients that we presented in the report uh, that has 3000 store locations. It was an analysis of 3000 store locations across the country, geo-distributed, and we wanted to see in a 90-day period of time how many user-generated photos were added to this particular retailer's digital profiles across one channel. Mm-hmm. Google My Business, we were looking at one type of content, photo, photos. Of, obviously, there's myriad types of content. And in 90 days, across a retailer that wasn't a restaurant, right? It's just a standard retailer who you wouldn't expect to generate a lot of content of this sort. They saw 500,000 UGC photos uploaded in 90 days. They were interacted with 11 million times. So they were, they were engaged with 11 million times. That's way more than I thought you were going to say. <laughs> yeah. And it was, and it was actually kind of surprising. We did, yeah. <laughs> we did a publicly available uh, mm-hmm. uh, scrape to see exactly how big of a problem this is. And that's just user generated content. They also generate. Define why you call it a problem. Is it, well, you... because, because it's hard to manage, right? right. It's, it's very, very difficult. When you start to get to these volumes, I mean, 500,000 user generated photos, they had 253,000 store photos in that same 90 day period, right? But the UGC content, the user generated content was almost 4X the volume of the brand generated content. And, and this is very difficult for a couple of reasons. One, there's brand safety implications. We actually uncovered uh, some claims of fraud with uh, personally identifiable information on, coup- on, on receipts in these photographs, right. selfies, inappropriate selfies, a lot of just unusual content that the brand... I would, I would imagine the, the, the uh, changing room at a <laughs> clothing store is a 
very dangerous place for user generation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're if you're a restaurant, you see yeah. uh, uh, there's a picture of a cockroach uh, mm-hmm. right. posted exactly. on one of your many digital profiles. It could be on Facebook, it could be on Yelp or Zomato right. or Google. Are you in control of that information? Can you flag, monitor, and if a brand safety or brand reputation issue that literally could threaten whether or not that business stays in business, that particular location, can you go to the Googles and say, remove this immediately? But you have to have the capability to control and see all this stuff from a central location, right? So what we've actually seen doing that analysis is that that business content, right? Photographs being a primary place or, or, or avenue by which consumers engage with you, it's become a big data problem. Mm-hmm. And it's the sheer volume, especially when you're a multi-location brand, that just becomes incredibly challenging to manage, especially when you start multiplying it out across all of the different types of content, right? Whether it's product inventory feeds, you know, business hours, customer reviews and ratings, photographs, other multimedia content, your business categories, all of these different things have multiple permutations and you're multiplying that across thousands of locations and potentially dozens of media channels. Given all we've been discussing, do you think there's a gap between what retail brands are doing and where they're spending their money and where they should be investing their time and money? I think that there's a little bit of a gap between this, what they're calling omni-channel, brand awareness building across multiple channels, and the actual customer acquisition mechanisms, which are largely driven by digital profiles. In order to really be truly omnichannel, you need to speak and have specific strategies built around uh, consumer discovery, digital profile management, content management for your brand across all of its locations, uh, across all of the search vehicles available to all of us. Mm-hmm. So are uh, budget priorities going to change, you think, going forward? Yeah, I, I think what you're going to see is this, this world of, of digital profile optimization, content management, uh, customer acquisition marketing, intent marketing is, like, is what we like to call it uh, at SignUp, is, is going to become a, a larger piece of the stack, mm-hmm. of the larger marketing tech stack spend that we're seeing coming out of the CMO's office. Uh, and it's increased, obviously, dramatically over the last 10 years. I mean, you've seen the reports. Right. The CMO now has more tech budget than the CTO. Right. Uh, and everybody's, that, we've all quote, heard that quote 100 times. But, but that's a reality now. Now it's about how do you shift and optimize that tech budget to better manage your ability to not only drive your brand building strategy, but also acquire customers once they know who you are, once they've discovered you, uh, and how to best do that across multiple media channels. And so I think, I think, again, the digital profile piece of this is changing how people search and find and learn information about the world around them, and that retail brands and brands in general that have locations around the world need to be able to speak that local language, that largely visual language, across all of the channels that we're finding stuff. And it's, it's a complicated world out there, and I, and I think you'll see growth in in this area of marketing. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us and appreciate your time. And it was a lot of fun. Hey, I appreciate it.